You're listening to The Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. The Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherashville.org. Well, good morning and welcome to The Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so honored to have you with us here today. If it's your first time here, or even just your first time here in a while, we're just, we're so glad to have you. I hope that you were made to feel at home this morning, welcome this morning, wanted this morning. I hope that you saw somebody's smiling eyes over their mask this morning, and we're just grateful to have you. And thanks for joining us online. Everybody joining us online, welcome. We're happy to have you guys as well. Well, today we are starting a brand new series called Anonymous, Anonymous. Here's the idea. At some point, we all go through seasons where we feel unnoticed, unseen, underappreciated. And we all find ourselves, at times, not where we want to be, or even not where we thought we would end up. Seasons where we feel anonymous. In this series, I want to talk about the temptations that we often feel in a season like that and exactly what we can do to overcome them. Living in a season where we feel anonymous is difficult. It's tough. Nobody likes it. We feel frustration. We feel contempt in these seasons because we want more and we want it now. We want to get where we're going sooner. We want to be noticed sooner. We want to be lifted up and seen by people sooner. A season of anonymity is not often our favorite season. However, I believe that this season can be a great opportunity for development. The choices that we make in these seasons determine who we're going to become in the next one. God uses seasons just like this to test us and shape us and develop us. And that is exactly why that it is in those seasons specifically, the seasons where we feel anonymous, that our enemy works extra hard to tempt us. Have you ever felt so hungry that you just didn't trust yourself? That you had no idea what would happen if you came across food that wasn't even yours? You know what I mean? When, when it becomes the only thing that you're thinking about, it consumes you. All you can consider is your next meal. Some of you are like, that's me between every meal. I can tell you that Pastor Robbie is this way at 11 a.m. every single day. He's marching around the office all antsy trying to decide what's going to be for lunch. Some of you guys know this on a regular basis, but maybe you've been in a moment where you were extremely hungry. When I was in college, I used to go backpacking with my friends a lot. We didn't know anything about backpacking, but we just knew that it was the cheapest way for us to go be in the mountains, and so we would do it a good bit. But the first time we went, we had absolutely no idea what we were doing, no clue whatsoever. This is before Google was a big deal. You know, you, you didn't have uh, Google, what do I do when I go backpacking? What do I bring? This is before there were YouTube videos with all the instructions on how to backpack. And these days, you just asked somebody. You went to like an REI and you had to ask someone, I'm going backpacking, what do I do? And to many of us, that's terrifying. What? what? You had to interact with people in order to learn things? I don't want to do that. And well, we didn't want to do that either, and so we didn't. We just decided we were going to figure it out on our own, we were going to be fine, and we were going to go for it. So we were going for four days, and in my backpack, I had a Walmart tent. It was giant. 
Um, I had a huge Coleman sleeping bag. I had four changes of clothes because I wanted to look fresh every day. I had six bottles of Dasani water because I didn't want to get thirsty. And I had a loaf of white bread and 20 of those Nature Valley granola bars, the ones that are like eating a desert because they're so dry. And as you eat them, just granola falls all around you until there's an entire bar's worth at your feet or on the table. Had, had about 20 of those and had Easy Mac, Easy Mac and cheese. And we had no bowls, we had no forks, no spoons, and we brought no stove. Not sure what the Easy Mac plan was, but we had it. And so my backpack weighed in around 60, 65 pounds. At the time, my entire body weight was about 135 pounds. So I'm now carrying half of my body weight on my back. This was poor planning. We discovered on day one that we did not have enough food. And we definitely did not have enough water. Nobody had a warm enough sleeping bag. Everybody froze. None of us were able to build a fire because we had never tried to build a fire before. This was, um, this was a great learning experience, I would say. And we learned a lot after this trip. We came back, we knew exactly what we needed, we knew what not to do, and we had a horrible time, but after that we were able to learn and grow from it. But I'll never forget how hungry I was on that last day as we were hiking out. We had been burning like a thousand extra calories a day, and we'd been eating a total of around four or five hundred calories each day with no protein. I mean, we're eating white bread out of a bag. It was bad. I ate the cheese powder of the Easy Mac. <laughs> I just, that's how bad it got. I was starving. I thought I was, th I was like this close to trying tree bark to see if it tasted good. Halfway through that last day, I fixed my mind on pizza. And there was nothing on God's green earth that could have stopped me from getting a pizza by the end of that day. In fact, we got off the trail and we went directly to a pizza buffet. I wasn't even going to mess around with just having to wait and order for a pizza. We went to Pizza Inn, somebody. There used to be a Pizza Inn in Hendersonville. Anybody that's been there, you know. And we went straight there and we, they lost money at that pizza buffet that day. There was no hope for a profit. We destroyed it. As soon as we walked in, we ate all the pizza that we, and honestly, even though it was Pizza Inn, I was so hungry that it was the best food I had ever tasted in my life. Have you ever been that hungry? You ever been so hungry that you're going to make bad decisions like eating at a Pizza Inn buffet? In this series, um, we're going to take a look at a very specific time in Jesus' ministry when he was in a moment of anonymity. Jesus had a lot of those moments during his life here on earth, but in one specific time, it was really a season of development, but also a season of temptation. During this season, he was tempted in three specific ways, and many scholars have spent years arguing that these three temptations that he faces in the wilderness are basically the same three categories that all temptation we face falls under today. And so we're going to start by looking at the first temptation that Jesus faced, which was the temptation of appetite. The temptation of appetite. When he was so hungry that the tempter brought him something to tempt him with his appetite. Matthew chapter 3 tells the story of Jesus being baptized. It's where we begin. It's this big, fantastic 
public moment where uh, really it's one of the big moments leading up to the public ministry of Jesus and uh, maybe the unofficial beginning of the public ministry of Jesus. He's going into the wilderness to meet with John the Baptist, his cousin, who is about the same age as him and who has been having a ministry where he would take people into the Jordan River and baptize them by submersion in order to, uh, so that they could be publicly known as followers of the coming Messiah. John's whole role was to prepare the world for the coming of the Messiah. And John was at the very height of his ministry here. It says in Matthew 3.16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Wow, what a big moment. Can you even imagine? Everyone there heard this voice. They see this dove. It's this big moment. And Jesus has been obedient to the will of his father for 30 years up to this point. And the father is showing him that he's honoring this obedience. And then look what the very next verse says in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What? Wait a minute. What? Jesus is obedient. He's doing what he's meant to do. He should be stepping into his public ministry. He's baptized. There's holy birds flying around. It's this great big moment. And in the very next verse, we see Jesus going out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus has been obedient, but instead of arriving in his obedience, he's taken into a season of anonymity. I wonder if you ever feel like your obedience should be leading you into comfort or blessing or ease of life, but instead you find yourself anonymous in the wilderness. I wonder if you've ever done all the right things and ended up in what you think is the exact wrong place. If you've ever thought that you should be arriving only to find out that you're still at the very beginning of the journey, that's where Jesus is. He's been obedient, humble, kind for 30 years. And then he's baptized and God says he's pleased with him. And in the very next verse, he sends him into the wilderness to a place of temptation. Sometimes we do all the right things and we follow all the right paths and we, wait, we make wise decisions, and life still doesn't take us exactly where we want to go. And I think a lot of times when we find ourselves in that space, there's someone else near us, around us, that we can see who is arriving. Jesus had just watched John the Baptist come into the culmination of his ministry. He had been preparing the way for the Lord, and he had just baptized the Messiah into ministry. It couldn't, it couldn't get any better than that. And Jesus is seeing this. He's seeing John's ministry come into fruition. And then he's being led away into the wilderness. I wonder if you know what that feels like. Life moves at a very different pace for all of us. There's a different story being told for all of us. Maybe you're watching someone else arrive while you're heading out into the wilderness. It's so important that we remember not to try to run our race at someone else's pace. That we don't allow ourselves to be discouraged when our life isn't unfolding in the direction of those around us or the way that we want it to. Because God is still working in your life even when you can't see it. And sometimes an anonymous season is our most important season. It says this in 4 verse 2. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. This is the most obvious verse in the whole Bible. 
Uh, he had not eaten anything in 40 days. I want you guys to know he was hungry. I haven't eaten anything in 45 minutes, and I am hungry at this very moment. Okay, Jesus is baptized, and then he's fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. This is an incredible feat, made possible really by the Holy Spirit. He hasn't had anything to eat for a month and some change. It says in verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The first temptation that Jesus faces in this story is the temptation of appetite. Appetite. My friends and I didn't get enough to eat for four days, and I was ready to make any kind of bad decision in order to get food. Jesus was out there for 40 days with no food, and he had the power to turn those stones into delicious Warm. I'm talking fresh out of the oven. Crust is just perfectly browned, you know, when you break it open. And, uh, and it's like gooey and the steam starts coming out slowly, breaking apart in the middle. That bread is just, I'm talking Olive Garden. The basket just dropped right in front of you. There's a garlic butter around the outside. You go to the grocery store and you smell they just pulled it out of the bakery and you get it thinking you'll share it with your family that night. But on the way home, you ate an entire loaf of bread in the car by yourself. Kind of bread. He had the power. He could have done it. He could have changed that bread into the most delicious bread you've ever seen. Those stones would have been good. And he knew it. He knew that he had that power. I bet he was tempted. The temptation of appetite always comes to us when we're in our weakest moments. And it comes in forms that are beyond just food. We are tempted by our appetites for money, for sex, for substances. You name it. And the enemy knows when we are most hungry for all of these things. Maybe you've been in an anonymous season, a season where things aren't how you want them to be, where you aren't where you think you should be in life, and you are tempted with an option to make more money, but you know that it will cost you. Maybe it'll cost you all your free time. Maybe it'll cost you your relationships, your, your children's childhood. Maybe it'll even cost you your integrity. Or maybe you're not where you want to be relationally. And the enemy tempts your appetite with accessible, easy sex, with Tinder, online dating apps, these moments where you can meet up with a stranger, satiate your appetite and move on. Maybe it's tempting you with the easier forms, things that you think you can do in secret that no one will know, like pornography and the like. Maybe you gave up drinking or recreational drugs because of the hold they had on you, but you've been under a lot of stress lately, and surely just one couldn't hurt. Just one couldn't hurt. The temptation of appetite is a strong one because it tempts us towards many things that can be good or many things that we think we need, but in a warped and sinful way. Jesus was tempted first by his appetite, but he was able to stand firm and overcome that temptation. And what I want to learn from him today is how we can do the same. I want to tell, talk about three things that Jesus had that helped him overcome his first temptation, the temptation of appetite. First, Jesus knew where he was going. He knew the direction he was heading in. He knew what the end game was. He could see his purpose and his calling, and it gave him a drive that was able, that allowed him to say no to anything that would distract. 
I want to point out the obvious. You and I aren't Jesus. We're not going to get it right all the time. Maybe you read a story like this where Jesus is being tempted and you think, yeah, but he's Jesus. He's Jesus. It's different. Obviously, he was able to resist the devil. He knows the whole Bible. He wrote it. It's Jesus. It shouldn't count. However, Jesus was able to give in to that temptation just as you and I are able to resist it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. No, you and I are not Jesus. He had maybe a clearer sense of purpose than you and I. He had a greater understanding than you and I, perhaps. But he did have the ability to say yes to that temptation, or it wouldn't have been a temptation, just as you and I have the ability to say no. It may be hard. Our appetite may be stronger than our will at times, but it is possible. And one of the clearest strategies that you can use to stand up against it is the same strategy Jesus exercised, to have a clear vision for who you want to be, who you were made to be, to know where you want your life to go and to fight to get there. When I know where I am going, it's easier to resist the temptation that would prevent me from getting there. And when I know who I am, and when I understand my identity and who gave me my identity, it's far easier to be that person no matter what my circumstances are. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When you were being formed in your mother's womb, God was putting things in you that he would call out of you. We call it your purpose. He started crafting it when you were very young. When you were before you were born, he had an idea for where your life could go and the amazing things that he could use you to do. God gave you gifts, passions, dreams, and desires all with a purpose in mind for your life. I think it's important for us to spend time discovering what that could be, what options are in that lane. And then once we discover it, set it in front of us and become familiar with who we are based on who God says we are and based on what we know to be true about ourselves. And then once you have that direction in mind, by the way, this is one of the things as a church that we love to help you with. We love to help you discover your purpose, to understand your wiring and really to understand your why too greatest days in anybody's life are the day they are born and the day they discover why they were born. We would love to be a part of that journey for you. That's what Growth Track is all about. You can go to our website and access Growth Track today, and you can let us know that you're doing that and that you have questions about that. We would love to partner because this is a big thing to try and understand who I really am. It's a big journey. Once you've gone through that journey and you begin to understand who you are, who you're called to be, then you've got to set it in front of you. Always focus on it. Be become familiar with who you are based on who God says you are and based on what you know to be true about yourself and pursue it through every season. If you're in a season of anonymity where you feel unseen and unnoticed, that you feel that you're made for more, in that season, I think you should be spending time developing yourself to be the, the person that you hope to end up as. Set goals for yourself based on who you want to be one year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, and beyond, and then pursue those goals. 
pursue that person. If you do those things, then when you are faced with the temptation of appetite, you will have a far greater chance at resisting them. I'm a pastor, which means that part of my job, part of my calling, part of my purpose, what God's put me on this earth to do, is to open my heart up to help people. To open my heart up to lead people closer to God, to give of myself to them in order to help them grow and learn and go through both difficult seasons and easy seasons. But doing that, opening up your heart to people, often leads to your heart being broken more than once. Because hurting people often hurt people. When we open up our hearts to hurting people, we open ourselves up to pain a lot of times. And I know a lot of pastors who have allowed this to make them bitter. They eventually stop opening themselves up to people. They decide that it's not worth it. That, that, that the best way to keep doing what they're doing is to close their hearts off, to close themselves off to others. And then they become tempted by their appetites. And they begin to use people to gain power, position, authority, Whatever appetite that they are most tempted to satisfy. Maybe you've known someone like that. After just six years in this role, I know how they got there. I understand it. I have sympathy for it. In fact, I've felt the temptation to go there myself at times. To close myself off. To give in to the bitterness. I've felt the temptation to just be over people, not with people. But I haven't given in to that temptation. And I won't. Because I know where I'm going. I know what I've been called to do. I know who I am. I know that it is always worth the pain. That the need and the calling and who I want to be at the end of the day is worth every sacrifice, every difficult conversation, every hard moment. I know who God's called me to be. And the goals that I have are to love people well and serve this church for as long as God allows me to do it. My goal is to lead as many people as I can to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, to get to see them make a difference. And I know that if I still want to be heading that direction, one year from now, five years from now, 20 years from now, that I have to make decisions right now today that are going to get me there. I can't stop hurting people from hurting people, but I can learn how to heal better myself each time. I can learn how to process it, how to carry it. I can learn how to help others heal. Never let the fear of pain prevent you from opening yourself up to others. I can learn these things because I'm fixated on the goal that I have set before me. I don't know what your purpose is, what God has put in your heart, what you're on this earth to do. I hope that you know or that you're in the process of discovering it. But I promise that once you do know, and you can set that as, as in front of yourself as a goal, as something to move towards, that even when the temptation of appetite comes around you, you will have a reason to say no. 
I think so often we give in to the temptation of appetite because we can't find a reason to say no to it. We know that we're hungry. We know that we have these needs. We know that we're stressed. We know that these things might make us feel better for a moment. And without a clear reason to keep going forward, a clear reason to resist, a clear goal to move ahead towards, so often we just give in. James chapter 1 says, Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I'm not in the place yet where I consider it pure joy when I go through a hard season. I don't know that I'm going to get, maybe you get there at some point, maybe James was there, but I'm not at the place where when I go through temptation, where I go through pain, where I go through seasons that are difficult, that I'm like, goodness gracious, isn't this the best? Isn't this I feel absolutely shattered. Praise the Lord. What a good, joyful moment. I'm not there. However, I do know what James meant when he said, you got to consider it joy because in your season of testing, something is being developed in you. God is growing a perseverance in you. He is growing in you the ability to continue to do what he's called you to do. And so when we allow these seasons to develop us, to shape us, to change us, to grow us, we start to gain the perseverance that allows, it, allows us to say no again the next time. I know that each time I go through one of these trials and these temptations and I stay focused on my purpose, it makes me a better version of myself. And that is one of the reasons that we can consider it joy. Jesus knew where he was going, and so he was able to resist the temptation. Jesus also knew the Father's voice. Jesus knew the Father's voice. Jesus is tempted at the end of 40 days of fasting. The end of 40 days of fasting. And in a way, that makes him weaker, doesn't it? Of course it does. He hasn't eaten anything in 40 days. He is physically weaker. I can't even imagine going 40 days without food. I wouldn't even need to turn the rock into bread. I'd be ready just to eat the rock. And I'm sure that that season, that period, weakened Jesus physically. But we do a fast here every year in the beginning of the year. It's one of the ways that we, we want to start our year off right and give a portion of it to God. One of the things that we always try to teach about fasting in that season is that when we fast, we're saying no to something that our physical self needs so that we can say yes to something that our spiritual self needs. We say no to the physical so we can say yes to the spiritual. And even though certainly we may grow weaker in whatever we are losing physically, we are growing stronger spiritually. And just as Jesus after 40 days was certainly weaker physically, I assume that after 40 days of spending all of his energy and time in the spiritual, that spiritually he was stronger than ever. That even though his hunger was the reason his appetite was being tempted, because of that season of fasting, he knew how to separate the voice of God from the voice of the tempter. The temptation of the appetite is the loudest temptation. It is loud. When our appetites are being tested, it is hard to think about anything else, to focus on anything else, to hear anything else. It's all we can think about is how hungry we are, how much we want this thing that we want. We get so good at justifying it. We have a million reasons why it's going to be okay this time. And immediately after we give in to the temptation, the guilt rushes in. Oh, that was not as okay as I thought it was. But we can't think that way on the front end. We're, we're overwhelmed by the noise of this temptation. It's easy to give in because we just want the hunger to stop. And I don't just mean with food. You know what this feels like. 
I know that I just got to do this one thing so I can stop thinking about it and move on. The temptation of appetite is loud and the voice of the Spirit is soft. If we aren't used to hearing it, it's easy to miss. My dad and I were eating at Wild Wing Cafe in Charleston when I was 13 years old. And I had just learned in school about the hypothalamus. This is the part of your brain that tells you when you are hungry or full. And I was telling my dad about how cool it was that if I stopped listening to my body when it told me I was full, eventually I would be able to eat 100 wings all by myself because this is what 13-year-old boys do. But in response, my dad leans across the table and looks at me and says, you know, son, the Holy Spirit is like that too. If you listen to him, he will guide you through life and help you discern right from wrong. But if you don't listen to him, Eventually, you won't be able to hear him anymore. And at the time, I was like, we're Jesus juke, Dad. I just am trying to talk about how much chicken I'm going to be able to eat the next time we come here. <laughs> but I don't know if I've thought about any one conversation more than that one because it's so true. And it's such a perfect picture of how the Spirit speaks and works and how we're able to hear him. We ignore God's voice so much in our hearts, he becomes very hard to hear. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, what we need to do. It says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We get so used to silencing the Spirit that we can't hear Him anymore, and the only way forward is to renew our minds to start a practice, a habit, a discipline that rebuilds our ability to hear the Spirit so we can discern the voice of God from the voice of the tempter. And renewing your mind is really very simple. You just pray and read your Bible every day, and it will help you to resist temptation. It's as practical as I can make it. It really is just that simple. The more you talk to God, the more you are able to hear his voice, the more natural it becomes, the more you study his word, the more sense it. Maybe you, you've tried before, you never got into it because you're like, I don't know, it doesn't, I've tried reading the Bible and it doesn't make sense to me or it's boring and I don't know how to get into it or I've tried prayer and I don't really know how to pray or what, what to say or what it should sound like and so I, I just can't, I'm telling you, it's like anything else in life. The more you do it, the easier it gets. If you were to start a gym routine, in the very beginning, it's very, very difficult. It's difficult to, if you go in the mornings, it's very difficult to get up early. To doing all the movements is hard. Submitting to it, uh, getting in the routine, it's all very difficult. But if you commit to it and you give it time, over time, if you are consistent and, and you keep going and you keep putting in the effort, then it gets easier and easier until it's a regular part of your life. Why would you expect prayer and scripture study to be any different than anything else? The more time you give to it, the easier it becomes. And it will allow us to know the voice of God. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power, and put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, there are so many forces that are going to attempt to work against you. But God has provided you with the armor and the protection that you need to resist it. He gave you his Holy Spirit to protect you from it. You've just got to learn how to talk to him. The armor of God that it describes in that passage is God's word. It's studying his Bible. It's knowing his truth, knowing his promises, and knowing the sound of his voice. We actually have a table out there called, What's My Next Step? 
And if you go out there, we have the resources you need to make this happen. We have a little blue book called a prayer guide that is just there. It's kind of a step-by-step how to pray. We don't expect you to come in here and be some sort of prayer warrior and know everything about how to pray. We want to help you get to that place. So we've got the resources for you. I'd encourage you to download an app on your phone, either the YouVersion Bible app or the Bible in One Year app. I use the Bible in One Year app. It's red and it's white and it has an audio feature and both of these apps will have devotionals and plans that will fit with your life. Just pick a plan and read it every day. Know the voice of God so you can separate it from the voice of the tempter. The tempter will always put a voice in your head to try and distract you from your identity and your purpose and anything else that he can. We hear those voices, and they're saying, well, you might as well give in to your appetite this one time. It's, it's not going to hurt anyone. Oh, you've been so stressed out. You deserve a release. This will be fine. Go ahead. Or, or it's been a really stressful season. You won't do this all the time. And we hear all these lies, and when we aren't putting on the armor of God regularly, when we're not allowing God to speak to us enough to recognize his voice, so often we just listen to these other voices because they're so loud. That's why this matters so much. Jesus had just come out of a season of significant spiritual sacrifice and growth. And even though he was anonymous, he wasn't stepping into public ministry at this moment. He was being developed and grown into exactly who he needed to be in his season of public ministry. We can be developed in the same ways in our seasons of anonymity, but this is a crucial part of it. Spend time hearing the Father's voice And you will be able to stand up against the voice of the tempter. Jesus also trusted his father's timing. He knew where he was going. He knew his father's voice. And he trusted his father's timing. Our season of anonymity leads to us giving in to the temptation of appetite. A lot of times just because we're tired of waiting. We're tired of waiting for the right person. We're tired of waiting for our ship to sail in. We're tired of waiting for things to go our way. So we find an easier route and we take it. When we can't control our circumstances, we just frantically search for something that we can control and we do it. But Jesus trusted his Father's timing. He knew what he was here to do. He knew where he was headed. He knew what was at stake. And he trusted the Father with the timing for it. So maybe you're not where you want to be yet. Nobody gets where they want to be right when they want to get there. Be patient. Wait. Do everything that you can right now to become who you want to be. Whatever you've got control over, do those things. Do them well. But in whatever is out of your control, be patient. Trust the Father's timing. Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Don't keep your eyes on this person or that person and wonder why it's happening for them and it's not happening for me. Why, why I, did it, I did it better than them. Why, why are they so much further along than I am? Why do they have what I want? Don't compare yourself to someone else's timing because you're not living someone else's life. It's okay to be anonymous. A waiting season isn't a wasted season. You've got to be patient. You've got to know where you're going and you've got to move in that direction. 
Let God develop you and shape you and change you and give you perseverance in your times of testing. Be still and wait. Listen for your Father's voice. I'll tell you that I don't think that trusting God's timing is a reason or an excuse to do nothing. I don't think Jesus spent one moment of his anonymous season doing nothing. He was being developed. He was learning about the people he was going to minister to. He was growing spiritually. He was spending time with the Father. He was living in obedience. We need to do all the same things. Have goals in mind and do everything that you can to reach them. Work hard. Discover your purpose. Make a difference in it no matter what season you're in. Resist the temptation of appetite, not just because there are better things coming, but because you're being developed into who you need to be. Don't let anything distract you from that. Slow you down. Set you back. Do all of these things, no matter what season you're in, but for the things and the seasons that really are just out of your control, for the ships you're still waiting to sail in, for the moments you're longing for, for the ministry that you feel called to but you can't reach yet, just be patient. Trust the Father's timing. Resist the temptations. It's not over yet. God can see the end of your story. You can see all the different possibilities for who you can be. So many of them are great. Some of them are not. And his timing over the things that are out of your control is always perfect. You will be shocked at all the things that you didn't know he was doing when you felt that nobody saw you, that nobody cared, that nobody was paying attention. He is paying attention to you. And he is developing you. And he is growing you. So be patient. And let him. If you're in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and maybe you have spent your whole life giving into your appetites, trying to fill up the void in your heart. You felt like there's got to be more, like you were made for something, but you don't really know what that is. You've not had a place to define it or a goal that is worth marching towards. And so you've been a slave to so many things. I want you to know that Today can be the beginning of the end of that for you. Entering into a relationship with Jesus, I've just told you, doesn't mean that everything happens right when you want it to right away. This whole sermon was about it. But here's what it does mean. It means that you get to step on the right path. That you get to get started in the right direction. That you get to start your your process of development. Your process of moving toward the very thing you were put on this earth to do. And with that, you get hope and peace, and joy, satisfaction, fulfillment in every season. And if you're ready to make that decision here today, if you're ready to start moving towards more, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just pray this prayer with me? This is just a, it's the beginning of your journey. Heavenly Father, forgive me for all my sin. Forgive me for every temptation that I've given into. Forgive me for all the mistakes. Forgive me for trying to do it on my own for so long. I need you. I believe that you did all of this for me. And so I give my life to you today. All that I am, from this day forward, I am yours. Use me. Grow me. Teach me. Make me into who you made me to be. I worship you and in Jesus' name. 
Amen. The Gathering Church podcast is produced by the Gathering Church creative team. Want to get involved? Fill out a Connect card online at gatherashville.org, find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church, or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.